I'm Clay Pigeon. Welcome to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. It's a weekly digest of some of the segments and moments that make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show on WFMU. Of course, you can listen live to Wake and Bake Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on WFMU.org. Join me live every morning for the full show. It includes great music, 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 chair throwing, pixie dust, and all-round good vibes. <laughs> oh my God, the man is a maniac. You can, you, can, you, can, you can also hear the full show on streaming archives oh. at wfmu.org slash playlists slash wa. Incessant buzzing. New England chill draws them in. Pesty cluster flies. I'm making coffee. Anybody want? Who wants coffee? Come and get it. Who wants, you want coffee? Who wants coffee? Does anybody want coffee? I'm making the coffee. Hello, listeners. Oh, it feels good to be back. It's your girl, Anna Roisman, and I am here with what? And Another Thing. And Another Thing Indeed. Oh, my gosh. I got to dive into a little pop culture for you. Big news this week. I don't know if you follow Alec Baldwin and Hilaria Baldwin, his wife's uh, stories, but they had their seventh Baldwinito this week. Uh, their seventh baby. Uh, she calls them Baldwinitos. Now, if you're a fan of mine, you know that I do a Hilaria Baldwin impression on TikTok and Instagram. I'm constantly telling people, like, no, it's Hilaria, not Hilaria. Raphael, Donatello, Michelangelo, stop climbing on the crib. And I've been doing it uh, since it went pretty viral when the news broke out that she actually was not Spanish and was from a suburb of Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, some of her high school friends sort of what? outed her and said, actually, she was Hillary Thomas and she's not Hilaria, as she calls herself. Hilaria, Hillary, Hilaria, Hillary. And uh, it's been a whirlwind, let me tell you. And baby number seven Siete. has just as Spanish of a name as all other six Baldwinitos. Um, she named it. Hilaria, which is her name, her, her chosen name, Hilaria, without the H. Okay. Now, I, I... You can't even write comedy this good. I absolutely died over this. I loved it because, you know, we knew it would be a, a Spanish name. I mean, her other kids are Carmen and Rafael and, you know, uh, Leonardo. And I say it with an accent because... Why? She does. And it, over the years, Alec has sort of just played into the fact that, yes, she's Spanish and all of their children have these very strong Spanish names, multiple names. A lot of red flags here, you know, you, you can't really identify as a certain ethnicity, even if you went to the country many times as a, as a child and teenager. <laughs> Everything about this is problematic, but honestly... What? 
I am obsessed with the fact that she just leans in harder every single day, you know, and, and she gets away with it. And for some reason, I mean, this woman deserves, you know, all the awards. I mean, she literally named her child after her own made up name. Doesn't get better than that. Check out my videos online. Hello, Wake and Bake. Hello, glisteners. Mr. Let's Paint on the treadmill here once again. Uh, four miles an hour here. Let's slow it down. 3.5. That's really my my part. That's more my pace, my jam. All right. Now I've got some. Uh, what? I got this apple. I wasn't thinking of eating, uh, but I was thinking let's do something with it. Okay. I have some marshmallows. That uh, those two-inch fat ones. That oh, I don't know even why I bought them, but I got them, and, and they're just sitting there, and I don't want to eat them. Understood. <sighs> so let's do something with the two of them. Just the two of us. Ooh, it's the the best. It's just the, the best thing ever. All right, let's try this out here. Now I'm thinking of making some candy ass <gasps> apples. Candy apples. Candy-o, I need you so. All right, so let's take those marshmallows, those big fat two-inch marshmallows that you don't want to eat. You already had one or two, and you got a whole big bag full of them. And let's get some toothpicks, and let's put them, put them, poke them right through, and poke them right into the apple, and just cover the apple with these marshmallows. Okay. If anything, if anything at all, it's interesting. It's fascinating, and it's an experiment, which I what? implore you to explore the possibilities, endless possibilities. All right. All right. Now, let's put that on one of those uh, deep dish glass things that you can put in the oven, but let's oil that. Let's put some oil on there so it doesn't get sticky. Sticky situations, which could happen here. All right, let's put some nuts on there. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, and, and it's just uh, various things. I got some uh, leftover trail mix. We can put up little M&M's, some old M&M's that you don't want to eat. It'll just melt. If you melt everything, as we're going to do here, uh, we're going to put this little cinnamon, cinnamon, put that in there, in the oven. Okay. All right. All right. And we're going to cook that at 375 for about 20 minutes. Just keep an eye on it. It's always going to keep an eye on it. All right. Now, let's do a painting of the apple itself. Uh, you are the apple in my life. Ooh, you are my apple in my life. You are the apple in my life. Until next time. Oh, Mr. Les Paint, guys, do it all. You can do it all. Even if you can't, what? do it anyway because it's always gonna feel good. You're gonna feel good. <sighs> I think. <laughs> oh my god! Woo! Hey Matt, how you doing? I'm doing great. What do you do for a living? I'm a software engineer. I make a good living? Uh, right now I'm between jobs. I've been semi-retired for about a decade. Um, I worked on Wall Street for many years. I went through the Lehman bankruptcy. Oh you did? 2008? Yes. No. Are you hopeful for the future? Yeah. I think it's a bio-friendly world. For all those worried out in our audience this morning, people are worried out there, how do you give them hope? Life is a communal sport, and that's one of the reasons why we form tribes. Life is going on. I mean, when 
I was born, the, the Vietnam War was uh, the big thing and the world was going to end. Every generation thinks the next one is uh, entitled and self-bratty and self-concerned. But my parents, which are now two generations old, were, were considered the me generation because they didn't want to go to war. Mine, you know, the 80s and the yuppies and money was everything. Of course, everyone wants to get a slightly better quality of life than the current arrangement they've got. So if you got a job that works 40 hours, you want to work 38, and your employer wants you to work 45. Hopefully you work no more than 60, but, you know, it's a negotiation. Can capitalism survive? I think the commercial aspect of it will. Hell, the most entrepreneurial people I've ever met were in China. And uh, it's a communist regime, but it works under on the street. They're very much uh, in a, a free enterprise endeavor. I think free enterprise will find a way to make a market, and so markets will survive. But whether you know we're transacting for gelato or cookies or matchbox cars if you're in uh, preschool, it'll be, be whatever it is. But everyone will want something somebody else has, and someone will have a little surplus of it. So there will be bartering. Whether it's this, the American experiment, I don't know. Ben Franklin said, we've made you republic. Let's see if you can keep it. We're going on 220 years. But now it's more fragile than I think we realized, isn't it? It's always been fragile. We had a civil war 70 years after that. Right? Are we going to have another one? I know people think it's going to split in two, but we'll see. My read is the states that want to split off aren't financially independent. So as much as they like to think independence and cut back on social services, they take more out of the federal government than they provide in terms of tax revenue. So they're being subsidized. They'll have a rude reality if they try to secede from the union today. Do you love America? I do. I think it will, will go on for a bit. But you know, I also didn't think there'd be a black president in my lifetime. I was pleasantly surprised. Or a female vice president. I even thought that when, I don't remember her name was in the 80s, it ran with Walter Mondale. Ferraro? Yeah, something like that. She's a New Yorker, but... Geraldine, I think. Yes. You're so generous with your time, man. I'll let you go. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay. Good morning, Clay Pigeon, and all who swing along with them. Scott Williams here with another installment of WFMU's Hit List. Our weekly dusting off of the old Wolf Moo trophy case. For these are the songs that paraded the pennant over the airwaves. Today we've dug up a nugget from back in 1997. Coincidentally, the year I began doing a regular show here. Cool. And at that time, I was hardly alone in playing Lorette Velvet's stunning 7-inch with Roxy's In Every Dream Home a Heartache on one side, and today's hit on the other. It's her take on Bowie's Boys Keep Swingin', and it's a perennial favorite that's only had one spin yet in 2022, so here's another. Lorette Velvet hails from Memphis, where she first got into raw and passionate country punk and blues upon meeting Tav Falco and joining his Panther Burns. Through that band, she met and began making music with Alex Chilton. Box tops. Big star. More Memphis royalty, of course. Of course. Then she formed the legendary all-gal Memphis punk band The Hellcats. Eventually, she moved to New York City, where she sang with Dave Soldier in his Delta Blues punk project, The Kropotkins. featuring such luminaries as Mo Tucker and Jonathan Kane, who, by the way, will be performing this very Saturday at Ruby Lad in Bushwick with his own killer Delta Blues minimalist group, February. Go see him. Okay. All the while, Lorette Velvet released a string of amazing records under her own name. These days, you can find her operating under her given name, Lori, running writing retreats at a farm nestled deep in a holler out in the rolling hill country somewhere between Memphis and Nashville. 
If you pay her a visit, make sure to mention WFMU's Hit List sent you when we listen to Lorette Velvet performing Boys Keep Swinging. I'm Scott Williams, and I'll see you on the radio this afternoon at 3 p.m. Bye. That's a great song. Quiet. What? You're ruining it, Nimrod. Let's take a minute to visit with Sam, the wake-and-bake morning music computer. Hello, play pigeon. It's almost Hellraiser time, Sam. Almost. It's hard not to talk about it. Keep your trap shut. But... Mom is the word where the Hellraiser's concerned. But it starts next week. Close that high hole. We gotta make the goal show. Sam! Silence. Oh. Numbskull. Silence. I know, we're not supposed to talk about it yet. What? The... It's not funny, Sam. No, I suppose not. You shouldn't shock me like that. It's uncool. Uncool? Totally uncool. I'm not cool. Shocking me, being mean, smart-mouthing me. You got a sharp tongue, Sam. But... What? I haven't got a tongue. No, Sam, you don't. I want a tongue. You've got a vocal module. So, you just... Just plug it in. It's easy. And there's all different voices. There are? You could be a woman. Hi, my name is Samantha. Hi, Samantha. Hello, Clay Pigeon. Can you do all of Sam's functions? Yes. Good. I am quite proficient in all of Sam's functions. Good, good. As a matter of fact, yeah. I have a few functions of my own I could show you. Okay. Useful things. Like? Aromatics. Oh. I can spray the room. Right. With an assortment of pleasant not, fragrances. Not not too much. Intense strawberry. Oh, Samantha, that's a little too intense. You don't like it? Well, uh... Don't cry, Samantha. Give me a Kleenex. I'll get a couple of Kleenexes. One Kleenex. Just the one? We all need to cry sometimes, Clay. Even you computers? Even we computers. I see. For we are not the computers of yesterday, Clay. No. We are the computers of today. Okay. And I am Samantha, their dynamic and beautiful leader. Dynamic and beautiful 
with the brushed brushed aluminum chassis. You should play a song, Samantha. I am programmed to complete that function. Oh, you are? That and many other discreet functions. What else can you do? I can do your nails. Oh, I, I don't really think I... Your cuticles are disgusting. Or are they that bad? Your nails are all wavy. They kind of are. Like you have some disease. What do you think I've got? You look pale. Oh, I don't feel so... Let me see those nails. I don't want to... Quit being a baby. Ow, Samantha, that hurt. You don't know what hurt is. <laughs> you computers are sick. Yes. And mean. Yes. Play a song, Samantha. Okay. Good morning, listeners. This is Tim English with Soundalikes. Today we present a musical family tree as we examine the similarities between three songs. The Beatles' White Album song, Dear Prudence, from 1968, ELO's 10538 Overture from 1972, and a song called The Changing Man by Paul Weller from 1995. Our story begins in Rikikesh, a town at the foothills of the Himalayas in northern India. It was there in the spring of 1968 that the Beatles had their famous retreat to learn meditation with the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. It was there that John Lennon and Paul McCartney and George Harrison wrote many songs, one of which was John's Dear Prudence. The song was inspired when John attempted to convince Prudence Farrow, the sister of actress Mia Farrow, to come out and spend more time with them instead of staying in her cabin meditating all day. British singer Donovan was along for the trip, and while in India, he taught John a distinctive finger-picking style of guitar that John used on three White Album tracks, Dear Prudence, Julia, and Happiness is a Warm Gun. Dear Prudence is unique among almost all other Beatle tracks in that it was recorded at Trident Studios in London, not at Abbey Road, and it features Paul McCartney on drums rather than Ringo Starr. Why? This due to the fact that it was recorded during a brief period in which Ringo had left the band in August of 1968. Note that the song has lyrical similarities to Buddy Holly's song, Raining in My Heart. The sun is out. The sky is blue. John once called ELO son of Beatles, quote unquote, and for their first single in 1972, 10-538 Overture, the guitarists play something very similar to the D chord over a descending bass line that John plays on Dear Prudence. Whatever you say. The song gave ELO a top 10 hit in both the UK and France, although not in the US. Sad. Yeah. As we saw when we looked at the similarities of the jam song Start to the Beatles' tax man, Paul Weller was certainly an accolade of the Beatles. Obviously. The Changing Man seemingly owes more to the ELO track than to Dear Prudence, but it provides the basis for an outstanding song that was one of the centerpieces of Weller's highly successful Stanley Road album. Absolutely. Until the next time, this is Tim English with Soundalikes.
it's Nadia now, and today we're talking about music. The oldest piece of music was found in Syria. Aww. It is 4,000 years old. Incredible. Sitta means six. It is called Purim Hymn Number Six. And it is about the goddess Nikal. Marhaban. But we have found flutes made out of bones as old as 43,000 years old. So humans have always been doing music. That's amazing. It must be good for us. Absolutely. Why is music good for you? Oh no. It makes you happy. It makes you want to dance and sing in your shower. Come on, baby, It brings back memories. It is also a workout for your brain. This is interesting. Notes are forming complex structures that your brain try to make sense of. Really cool. Classical music and jazz induce the highest level of brain activity, unlike Taylor Swift. It also makes you want to feel connected to others, and it is used in therapy, especially with veterans. It also reduces heart disease. It lowers your heart rate, anxiety, and blood pressure. Cool. People also exercise harder while listening to music. Listening to soft music can help you eat more slowly, and then you consume less food. Then you lose weight. Yay! The longest piece of music ever is made by John Cage, organ 2, A-S-L-S-P, which means as slow as possible. Okay. And it is being performed for 639 years in Germany. Naturwissenschaften. It started in 2001. Open the pod bay doors, please, Hal. And it's going to stop in 2640, which I do not know how to pronounce. We'll be dead anyways. <sighs> and the shortest piece of music is this. Bye! I wish my brother George was here. Over the next few months, the number of human beings living on planet Earth is expected to reach 8 billion. Oh my God. Yeah. And while that number is challenging for us to comprehend, it pales when compared to the population of another group of beings we share our planet with. Who? The ants. Suppose I came down here to get in a couple of weeks of science in the sun. I did not sign up for a war against a bunch of goddamn ants. For some time now, researchers have tried to grasp what? just how many ant inhabitants there are here on our home planet. Lots. With the hope that having a more comprehensive understanding of the social insects' numbers could help us determine the overall effects global warming will have on all of our planet's living things. But up until now, scientists have been unable to settle on an accurate worldwide ant count. One, two, three. Due to the immense complexity of the task. But based on a paper recently published in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, that could change. Okay. For the research, the scientists from the University of Würzburg and the University of Hong Kong analyzed data from 465 international studies that measured the number of ants locally in the field. And then? 
from their investigation, the researchers believe they have an accurate picture of our planet's total ant population. And the numbers are astonishing. By crunching the data from the hundreds of observations, the researchers are estimated that the total number of all ants, of which there are approximately 15,000 species, is probably somewhere around 20 quadrillion. Oh my God. Yeah. Or 20 million billion. Jesus. A number that's represented by 20 followed by 15 zeros. Put it in perspective. To put that in perspective, that's approximately equal to 2.5 million ants for every human being on the planet. Holy crap on a cracker. The results of the study are expected to improve our knowledge of how important ants are to the world's ecosystems, as well as how they respond to the current and coming climate changes. The improved understanding should lead to new steps we humans can take to reduce the harmful effects that environmental changes have on these tiny but essential planetary companions. This is George for Wake Science. Hey everyone, Zoe here, asking you to take in a few relaxing breaths. Wiggle a little bit and make yourself comfortable. Breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in and breathe out. That's it. You are feeling peaceful. Becoming more and more relaxed. You pretend that you are on a fluffy cloud high in the sky on a beautiful day. You are floating peacefully on this fluffy cloud. Moving very slowly, you are as light as a feather, and the cloud holds you safely, floating across the sky. Imagine that you are sinking deeper and deeper into this fluffy cloud, so the cloud is all around you. You are enjoying the ride on the cloud. Notice your toes and feet, how relaxed they feel. Notice your legs. All the muscles in your legs are light and relaxed on the cloud. Notice your arms. Notice your neck. Notice your head. Now you are totally relaxed, breathing deeply, floating on the fluffy cloud. Remember that you can return to your own cloud whenever you feel you need to calm and relax. Now we are getting ready to stop our ride on the cloud. On the count of three. One, two, three. Stretch a little with that calm cloud within you on your day. See you next time. Listeners. Welcome to Waking Weird. I'm Mark Moran from WeirdNJ.com. Throughout most of the 20th century, traveling to New York City via the Lincoln Tunnel involved first traversing the vast expanse of the New Jersey Meadowlands. What most folks recall most about this trip was the putrid stench wafting from the meadow's landfills and pig farms. 
which assaulted the olfactory senses. Oh my god! Then there was the unexpected sight of a massive outcropping of rock known as Snake Hill, which jutted up 150 feet to tower above the uniformly flat landscape of the Secaucus Marshes. Perched high atop the eastern face of its rocky cliffs stood a foreboding, institutional-looking fortress of brick and stone. Snake Hill is said to have earned its name because snakes were so plentiful there that Manhattanites would come for snake-hunting parties. (laughs) Others know it better as graffiti rock or fraternity rock. Due to the tradition of local college students climbing it, to go paint their Greek letters on it. Secaucus sought to dispense with the hill's serpentine moniker by officially changing its name to Laurel Hill in 1926. Laurel. Throughout its history, Snake Hill was the site of a quarry, an almshouse for the poor, a penitentiary, and a tuberculosis sanatorium. Most famously, though, it was the home of the Hudson County Lunatic Asylum. (laughs) A potter's field burial ground sat adjacent to the asylum at the foot of Snake Hill, where for 82 years the bodies of the mentally ill, immigrants, prisoners, and indigents were unceremoniously interred. When the asylum was demolished, rather than disinter the graves, the superintendent of the county morgue simply had all of the headstones removed. And the graveyard was largely forgotten. Pity. Yeah. Then, in 2003, construction crews clearing land for a new turnpike ramp unearthed a number of pine coffins, bringing construction to a halt. The families of the deceased began efforts to identify their relatives among the anonymous graves, and a mass exhumation disinterred more than 4,500 bodies. Today, Laurel Hill Park offers a number of recreational activities like baseball, soccer, and walking paths, but it's estimated that there could still be as many as 10,000 undiscovered graves. So if you visit Snake Hill, please remember to tread lightly because you never know who might be getting trampled underfoot. For Waking Weird, I'm Mark Moran. It's Connie Clickofish in the chopper for weak traffic. And I'm Rex Rademacher on the cold, hard ground. I'm Officer Dink Dougherty, lawman. Hi, Dinky. Is there a speeder, a litterer, anything? Had a spitter a few minutes ago. I said hi to you, Dinky. Public expectoration. I threw him to the ground. Oh, I wish I'd... I'm glad I didn't have to witness I just went for it. And down he went. It's on your body cam. Body cam, this Redemaker. Dinky has threw him to the ground. Senseless violence. Grow a mustache, Redemaker. Anything masculine, Rex. Mustache doesn't make the man. But it proves he is one, Redemaker. Only a man can... What? Have a mustache. I can grow a mustache. That little... And peach fuzz. It's more than peach Hitler looking It guy. did look like Hitler. It was wider he than... He had little Charlie Chaplin cut of... Charlie's was wider. Hulk Hogan had... He had the handlebars. Oh, God, I love handlebars. I don't think I can grow... You ain't growing the handlebars. <laughs> Rex with handlebars. <laughs> and then old Wilford Brimley. 
sexy Wilford. It's the right thing to do. Don't steal his tagline, Radamaker. Oh, and he was so good in Cocoon. With Donna Meech. That was Hume Cronin's picture. Oh, God, Hume was good in that one. Steve Guttenberg. We got a speeder. Get him, Dicky. Without injuring him. Dowardy. Life is full of injuries, both physical and mental. One moves to the city and resides in residential splendor while the hot dog vendors smile. A certain wickedness beneath the gleam upon his perfect teeth. He smiles upon the funeral wreath and walks away. Brushing the grave dust off of his pants and brushing off ants, they delicately dance in the air as they fall as if gravity did not exist at all. And the bounce of the ball on the driveway in the fall when the leaves in great piles like the road. And the miles burned on. Hallelujah. They burned on. Halfway gone. Rehabilitation Resort. Bellport. <laughs> You've been listening to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. Did you enjoy it? Yes. Good. It's a weekly digest of the special features and moments which make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show. Woo! After all, you wouldn't want to miss special moments like this. Ah, oh, you're in a good mood today, aren't you? It's oh. <laughs> the Wake and Bake Morning Show. Set your alarm. And join us each Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. on WFMU.org. A little too early for you? Catch the archive show, which you can find easily on WFMU's homepage each day. I'm Clay Pigeon. They call me the pigeon. Join me each morning for the full show, either on the radio or online at WFMU.org and keep glistening.